0: Job chapter one. We started Job two weeks ago. This is our third part in Job. And um, this week we're gonna do something a little bit different. The whole message is going to be about Satan. And we don't typically do this. I want to keep rolling through Job and I think you're gonna benefit from us studying Job. Um, But Satan is such a huge character in this book that we need to make sure that we're understanding that. Now, it's not so much that we need to understand Satan, it's that we need to understand Satan and we need to understand God. We work hard to know and understand God, but we want to uh, understand both with Satan being such a big character. Uh, Growing up, I remember my mom used to say, and I don't know if your mom or grandma ever said this before, if you've ever said this yourself or if you've ever heard it, but my mom used to say that bad things come in threes. Have y'all ever heard that before? that if you got in a car wreck and you lost your job, my mom would say, well, let's be looking because a third tragedy is about to happen too. Something terrible, something else is about to happen. My mom used to say that all the time. And I remember thinking to myself like, well, that's not good. It seems like we are expecting bad things to happen. The book of Job shows us that bad things happen. Unexpectedly, unpredictably, Bad things happen. No rhyme or reason, no calculation to put on it. There's no, well, they're bad, they should have bad things. There's no, they're good, they shouldn't have bad things. Forget all of that. They just happen, and God's in charge of it, and Satan's in charge of it, and they happen. And Job is gonna help us to get this even further. I think the goal is not for us to be able to look with uh, precision or, or great eyesight or wisdom and go, okay, this trial is from God, and so I'm gonna stay hopeful through it. This trial that I'm going through is from the devil, and so I am under attack. I think that's not the way we're supposed to think about it. I think, as we're studying Job, that God is Lord and he is working in your life for his purposes and for his glory and he wants us to trust him through it. While that is true, the devil thinks he can do something too and he's trying. And when we are not trusting in God, the devil gains more ground on us. So today, we're gonna study Satan. Read with me, if you will, in Job chapter one, where we see him introduced, verse six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Now this is the passage that we studied last week We studied all the way through verse 12. God and Satan have a conversation and a discussion there. Satan wants to do what Satan does. He wants to ruin people. God suggests Job. That's what happened last week. If you didn't hear that one, please go back and listen. Hey, this is only the part three, so you can go back and listen to the last two and be caught up. In the bulletin, you may have seen that it said the Satan, right? Did everybody see that? Did all of you go, well, what is that? I've never heard that phrase in my life, the Satan. Well, that's all right. I hadn't either. I didn't, know, I didn't know about the Satan either until I really had gotten into this, right? Here's what it means. The Satan is the way it is in Job. There is a definite article there. I don't know if you care about grammar or the way languages are written, but it's the Satan in the book of Job, okay, meaning the adversary, the opponent, or, or, or whatever that is meaning. The, 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 the Satan is the way it is with the definite article. It's not till later that that changes, and I'm gonna sp- explain that again uh, here in just a little bit. But it is the Satan. The Bible teaches us that there is a devil, an evil one, an enemy. And you need to know that. You need to have a category for that in your life. R.C. Sproul says, Satan is a creature, superhuman, but not divine. He has much knowledge and power, but he is neither omniscient nor omnipotent. He does not know everything, and he is not all-powerful. He, is, he does have a lot of knowledge and he does have a lot of power, but he's not on the level of God with those. He is not omnipresent. He cannot be everywhere like God is. He is an already defeated rebel, having no more power than God allows him, and he is destined for the lake of fire that burns forever. That's from R.C. Sproul. Thinking like that about him will put Satan in his rightful category and you in the right understanding and will allow God in his rightful category and with the right understanding to become more powerful in your life, more significant, more real, over and above the devil. We have three points today, and I want to, with number one, inform you about Satan Number two, I want to warn you about Satan. And number three, I want to assure you about Satan. Number one, I want to inform you of Satan, the adversary. The adversary. Now, the meaning alone ought to grip you. In my Bible right here, there is a little uh, footnote on verse six of Satan there, where it says the accuser or the adversary. It's telling us that. That is what the name means. Now again, in Job, it's not a name. That's why it's the Satan, okay? Now y'all don't care about that, but just follow along, okay? In Job, it's not a name. It's not until later, 1 Chronicles 21, that the definite article starts to be dropped. And from there forward, it is used as a name. And that is why I said I had never heard of the Satan. Y'all had never heard of the Satan. He's He's always just been Satan. Yes, starting later in the Old Testament and definitely in the New Testament, people speak about Satan as if that's his name. But in Job, it wasn't the case. He was just the Satan, the adversary, all right? Take that for what it's worth. But that's what it means, the adversary. Satan is an opponent. He is an opponent of God and an opponent of God's people. He is going against you. He wants to go against God. That is who he is and that is what he does. Think about that. That's bad. It's bad to, I said this last week a little bit, it's bad to talk back to an an adult if you're a kid. It's bad to talk back to your parents. It's bad to talk back to your boss. It's bad to be an opponent or adversary against things that should be respected. It is really bad to be an adversary or an opponent against a God that should be worshiped. That's bad. That is the very being of what and who Satan is. There's a lot of discussion about where Satan comes from. And in general, we think Satan is a fallen angel. I hope you're taking notes today because I'm not gonna walk through a passage so much as I'm just gonna throw a lot of different stuff at you this morning. In two Bible verses, 2 Peter 2, 4, and Jude 6, both them at the very end of our New Testament, we hear rather clearly that there are angels that have rebelled against God and have fallen. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says this. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned. Did everybody hear that? Angels that sinned. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. That's 2 Peter 2, 4. Angels that sinned and God cast them into hell and put them in chains. All right, remember angels are not people. They have never been people. They are beings created by God. And here we have that some angels sinned. In Jude, verse six, we hear this. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. They did not stay where they were supposed to be. They did not stay doing what they were supposed to do. They left their proper dwelling, okay? So there is a real category in the Bible of fallen angels, rebellious angels, and we believe that Satan is one of them, and we believe that he must be the leader of them. So he has, was made by God to serve God for his glory and yet has rebelled against that. And now Satan is going all out against him, an opponent of God and his people. Now, this word adversary also gets to prosecutor. We know that well when we start to think about court or uh, law, what the prosecution is. And one who stands there to point the finger and say, they are wrong. It is their fault, and let me tell you why. They are guilty. They are the problem, and let me prove to you how I know it. That is the essence of the devil. Already, I hope you are seeing that this life cannot be coasted through. You do not cruise through this life with just good, better, best. We didn't start okay. We aren't okay now. And without the Lord Jesus Christ, we will not be okay. We have an adversary. And this is exactly what we in him doing in Job, isn't it? Being an adversary, being an opponent. That's what we studied last week. God is there, we know God sits in the heavens, he reigns, he's glorious. The angels come to present themselves to God and Satan is there and God says, what are you doing? Satan says, I am going up and up and back to and fro on the earth. And God suggests Job, and Satan comes back with anger and ugliness and meanness and saying he's not real, he's a fake, and you're not real either, and all of this goodness that y'all act like you have in the world is just because that is so good. If it wasn't so good, they would be as fake, and he would curse you to your face the most righteous, blameless, upright man God had described Job as. Satan says he would curse God to his face. So you see, J- J- uh, Satan is doing this very thing, an adversary, an opponent, opposing God, opposing Job, just bad and ugly. It's very similar to the story that we remember from the Garden of Eden early in Genesis. We had a happy Adam and Eve in paradise. We had a God who had just declared that things were very good. And we have Satan there as the crafty serpent saying, God didn't really mean that. And that won't really happen to you. And we see him going against what God said. We see Satan going against what Adam and Eve are thinking. We see him opposing. We see him being an adversary. It's bad. John MacArthur says this demon is the ultimate spiritual adversary of all time. And he has been accusing the righteous throughout the ages. You need to be informed here this morning that there is a spiritual being who is against you. Now, Josh Womble said it well today. He, he is not omnipresent, and he's not all-powerful, and so we don't know what Satan is doing and when he's doing it. We don't, and that's why I said at the beginning, I don't want you looking around going, is this something Satan's trying to do, or is this just a providence of God in my life? I don't want you thinking that way. I want you to be informed and be aware that, the Satan, that Satan is real in your life, and he does want to devour you. Again, it is the words of Jesus in John chapter ten that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy you, and he is trying. Now we learn with Jesus in the temptations in the wilderness, right, right before his baptism, in the Sermon on the in 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 early in Matthew, right before the Sermon on the Mount. We learned with Jesus that Satan came tempted him when he was vulnerable. That's a good word for us today. He comes and tempts him when he is vulnerable in three different ways when he was vulnerable. He was hungry, so he tries to get him to eat, right? He was lonely and down. He had been fasting for 40 days, so he tries to give him power and and pride, right? I mean, he was vulnerable. But then it says Jesus resisted him, so, so then it says that the devil left him and would come back at a more opportune time. See, we need to know those things. You need to be informed that there is an opponent in your life. We cannot coast. We cannot take it easy. We cannot think that it's all gonna be good or that it's all gonna work out for good. We need to know that we have an adversary. And I want to assure you that this adversary is worse than we can understand. He hates God. See, a lot of times, listen, when we start living our lives, we find people in our lives, especially we think about this with our kids, but we find people in our lives, at, you know, at work, on our teams or whatever, that we think, hey, they're just not good for us. You need to be careful spending time with them. You know, It's not gonna be good for you. You might even have found yourself before saying, hey, when I'm around that person too much, they bring me down. I start thinking about things I don't want to think about. I start talking in ways that I don't want to talk about. I start becoming somebody that I don't want to be. We've all been there before, and you know that. But even in that situation, we would say, that person is just flawed they they have their own issues at times you might even say but they, they do mean well it's a product of their environment it's a product of their home life it's how they were raised you know and we get into all of that and we kind of weigh like well they may not be altogether completely bad they don't mean to be that way it's just the way it, life is working out and you know, you know what i'm saying with devil with the devil this is not the case he is altogether Totally, completely, thoroughly evil. He hates God and he hates you. He is God's adversary and he is your adversary. You need to know this. J.I. Packer says this, the mentality of Satan is a mystery whose depths we can never plumb not just because Satan is an angel while we are men and women, but also because Satan is purely evil and we cannot conceive what pure evil is like. Scripture clearly means us to believe in a Satan and a host of Satanic myrmidons who are or quite unimaginable badness, who are of quite unimaginable badness. Listen to this. More cruel, more malicious, more proud, more scornful, more perverted, more destructive, more disgusting, more filthy, more despicable than anything our minds can conceive. That is Satan. And when we see our, his influences in the world, we grieve, we hate it. We should. And I want to inform you here at the beginning that there is a being who is behind all of that, evil and awful. Be informed. Satan, the adversary. Number two, now that you know of him, I want to warn you of Satan. But I don't want to call him now the adversary. I want to call him the accuser and deceiver because in the New Testament and all the different ways that Satan is described, he is still sometimes the adversary, but he is even more so the accuser, the deceiver. It's like in his opposition to God and opposing God, here are his tactics, and he does have tactics. He does have strategies. Like we see, he's crafty, right, in Genesis 3. Like we see, he comes when Jesus is vulnerable. Satan knows what he's doing. He's clever, if you will. So I want to warn you of his ways, the accuser, deceiver, I'm gonna share a lot of scripture with you now just to get you thinking, okay? If you're taking notes, this will be good. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, 2 Corinthians 11:14, 14, you hear the Apostle Paul say this. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. That's scary, isn't it? That is how we get deceived, looks like an angel. Every one of y'all have been in positions where it had nothing to do with the glory of God, the truth of scripture, the lordship of Christ, and somebody wanted to say that it was angelic. I've been in that situation hundreds of times, truly. Hey, Satan is more than glad to change your life from this direction to a totally different direction, as long as it isn't on the right direction. And if an angel is coming to your life and truly turns the page, but it didn't get centered on the truth of Scripture, the glory of God, and the Lordship of Jesus, it was not an angel. Or maybe it was an angel disguised like Paul describes. God has one goal for your life, for you to worship him and cling to him. God has one goal for your life, for you to worship him and cling to him. Whether the health and wealth is good, whether it's all downhill and you can't catch a break, doesn't matter as much as that you are focused on him. And the devil will push you in either direction. And I'll tell you more about that later. In Ephesians chapter two, verse two, we hear that the devil is the commander of the spiritual powers of the air. That the devil is at work in this fallen world and he has a leadership role of commander over demons and the evil powers that are going on in this world. Josh Womble mentioned that as well. While the devil is an individual and he is not everywhere, he does have an army that work for him. How big and how accomplished they are, we'll never know. That's one of the neat things that we see here from Job. Job knew none of this. But he is real and he is working. In Ephesians 6, we hear the same thing, verse 12. He is the leader of the superhuman forces of evil. In Genesis 3 and in Revelation 20, Satan is called a serpent. A snake, if you will. In Revelation 12 and Revelation 20, Satan is called a dragon. In 1 Peter 5, which we looked at last week, he's called a roaring lion. Wow, a lion. In Matthew chapter 4 and 1 Thessalonians 3, he's called the tempter. He wants you to fall into temptation and turn your back on God. He does. He wants you to give in. That's why James, which we studied not too long ago, teaches us to resist the devil. You remember that? Resist the devil because he's a tempter. In John chapter 17, when Jesus is praying, he calls him the evil one. In the passage that Matt McBroom read earlier from John chapter eight, he's called a liar and a murderer. Those are strong terms. He is a liar and a murderer. Those are the words of Jesus talking to religious people who do not understand Satan's influence in their lives a liar and a murderer. And he was a liar from the beginning and he was a murderer from the beginning. And that passage even says that it is his very nature, it is his very character to lie to you and murder you. It's what he wants to do. He desires that. Whether it happens sooner or later, I don't know. But he wants that. 1 John chapter three will tell us something really good about this. 1 John chapter three, verse eight. 1 John 3, eight. Listen to this. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So we see the devil here as one who sins, loves sinning, practices sinning, has been sinning from the beginning, and those who do the same identify with him. Now, I remember when I was a kid, we had a tree that went bad in the yard, and my dad had to order in somebody to cut the tree down. And you've done that before, right? Have a tree cut down in in the yard or something, or at least you've heard of it, we've had a couple cut down here in the churchyard in recent years. And what's really cool about that is you look at that tree and you think, well, we've got some power lines right there. We can't hit those. And we've got a playground fence right here. We, we can't let it fall on that fence. And then the house is right there. We can't let it fall on that. And we're like, well, which way is it gonna fall? And if they're really good, they can drop that tree exactly where they want to drop that tree, right? They're skilled at that. That's why their insurance is through the roof, right? They're skilled at that though. They can drop that tree exactly where they want to. We had a tree in our front yard a couple years ago and it died and it had to be cut down. And It was a big one and I thought it was gonna hit the sidewalk. And I actually had some flower pots on the sidewalk. The guy was so good. He was like a master at it. He literally told me to move one of the flower pots and I was about to move the other. And he said, you can leave that one right there. And they were right beside each other. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, you trust me? He's like, leave that one there, but move that one. And sure enough, this giant tree, he he dropped it right there and it landed exactly where he said. Here's why I tell you that story. With a tree, they can get that thing to fall wherever they want to. Satan has a very similar mindset. There's not one way to fall in your life. There's not one way to fall. Some people fall hating themselves and some people fall loving themselves. Some people fall hating their family to the grave. Some people fall without Jesus, loving their family to the grave. Some people fall open as can be about their sins, admitting them, owning them, confessing them, and saying, this is who I am, I'm not perfect. And they just sin without forgiveness to the end. Some people will never admit it. And with pride and darkness and insecurity, they hide it to the grave. Like a tree workman who can make a tree fall wherever he wants to, Satan is okay to let you fall wherever. You need to know that. He is crafty like that. He is an accuser and a deceiver. He wants to ruin you. There's an awesome book written by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. You may have heard of that one. If you've not heard that book, it's very small. It's a quick read. I would suggest for you to get it. It's a made-up book where C.S. Lewis has uh, Wormwood writing to Screwtape or Screwtape writing to Wormwood. I can't remember which one's the uncle and which one's the nephew at this point. I read it years ago. But the uncle is the devil, And the nephew is a demon working for him. And the whole book is just letters of advice from the devil to his nephew on how to keep ruining people. Listen to this quote. You no longer need a good book. Remember, this is the devil writing to his nephew in a fictional book. You no longer need a good book, which he really likes, to keep him from his prayers or his work or his sleep. A column of advertisements in yesterday's paper will do. You can make him do nothing at all for long periods. You can keep him up late at night. You can keep him restless. But staring at a dead fire in a cold room will do the same. At last, he may say, as one of my own patients said on his arrival down here, I now see that most of my life was spent doing neither what I ought to do or what I liked to do. Isn't that telling of what the devil's focus is? To get at you in all sorts of different ways, but that you would find yourself not trusting God. He is an accuser. He is a deceiver. If you're not okay, he wants you to think you're okay. If you're happy and content and should be, he wants you to think that you're not. If you're miserable and you know something needs to change, he wants to fill you with, nah, you're okay. If coming to church today was a step, I mean a step, but there are more steps to take, the devil right now is trying to tell you that it was enough of a step. If the treasure to life is Jesus, then the devil wants you to think that just being religious is more than everybody else is doing. May you not settle. May you not be deceived. May you be warned, warned that he has a strategy to tear you apart, to distract you, To get you not focused on Jesus. See, sometimes we say it like this with the devil, the accuser and deceiver. Some people are focused, and he's gonna try to get you not focused. Maybe you used to read the Bible for a while and you felt yourself growing in truth. And the Bible literally says that God grows his people by the power of the Spirit according to the Word. It is a spiritual discipline. It is the strategy of God that we would be in his Word and grow in it. It is a great step that you are committed to being at church on a regular basis on Sunday morning so that this is happening. I hope that here today you are learning so much about Satan and how to fight back simply from being in the word this morning. But it is good for us to be in the word on a regular basis, daily, if you will. And Satan knows that. So one of the things that Satan will do will make you distracted. He'll convince you that other things are more important in the morning, like a jog or a walk or coffee or reading the paper or checking the news or the worst of all, just scrolling through, just scrolling through. But some people aren't focused and Satan knows that too. They need to turn a page in their life. They need to repent of their sins and come to Christ and Satan knows that. So he's in an all out effort to keep that from happening. There are some that he's trying to get them off track and there are some he's trying to keep them from getting on track. This is how he works and we know this. And you probably know examples just in your own life, your own personal life, where that has happened. Satan is an adversary. He is opposing us and God And Satan is an accuser, deceiver, and you need to be warned. You need to be warned. Now, when we start talking about a warning, you know that warnings are good. You know that warnings are good. If it's a busy intersection, and for some reason the stop sign gets removed, couldn't that be dangerous and tragic? if it is one of those super sharp curves where a 55 mile per hour speed limit drops down to 20 because it's one of those type of curves, if that sign that says curve ahead was not there, can you imagine? Warnings are good for us. You need to be warned here today that you cannot coast. There is one accusing you, working to deceive you, trying to split your parenting apart, trying to split your marriage apart, trying to get your heart to not be pure before him, trying to get you to hide your sins, trying to get you distracted, distracted, distracted. Be warned here this morning. Now here's the thing about Job. Let me bring it back to Job. We never see that Job knew any of that. That's the fascinating thing. The sermon today about Satan from Job says a way more about Satan than Job knew. Remember, after chapter two, verse seven, there is not a mention again of Satan. Job doesn't mention Satan again, God doesn't mention Satan again, and all four of Job's friends, which are the main characters for 30 some chapters, they don't mention Satan again. It's or they don't even mention Satan. So it's like Job and his friends maybe didn't even know about Satan, or the Satan, or perhaps the Satan helps us understand why they didn't know about Satan. So what we're seeing here today is an overview, if you will, of God's entire word, even in the New Testament, of how aggressive Satan had become against Jesus. And we should be warned that he perhaps is trying to do today to what he was trying to do to Job. I have a funeral this afternoon of a family completely devastated because a 31-year-old in their family died in his sleep. When they called me, they were crying their eyes out on the phone, and she said, we've never, ever, ever been to church, not even once. Where do we start? We have a funeral on Tuesday for another family that is completely brokenhearted over the loss of a loved one. Satan wants to take these things and make us run further away from God. But Job shows us that what Satan is doing is not outside of God's strength and power and reign. And so our third and final point this morning is I assure you, Satan is defeated, and will be defeated. You have an adversary, I inform you. You have an accuser and deceiver, I warn you. But praise God, I assure you that adversary, accuser is defeated and has been defeated. If you study Jesus on the cross, we know that Jesus went from being the holy God, the sinless, he had never sinned, he's hanging on the cross, and at some moment, some moment on the cross, something changed. Jesus did not change who he was. He has always been God. He will always be God. But he became our sin on the cross. We see this as Jesus is crying out. And we understand the massive weight of Jesus crying out, it is finished. You know those three famous words. Meaning it is meaning salvation, the plan of God, the redeeming work. The whole unfolding purpose of all of history was for God to have a people that will love him the way he deserves to be loved, that there would be a people that worship God because God is worthy, and the death of Christ completed that, and so our Lord Jesus said, it is finished. Three days later, when God raised him up from the grave, it was the proof that it is finished. He reigns, he is alive. And we are to understand that sin had been dealt with. We are to understand that death had been dealt with. And you better believe that at every one of these funerals, that's the hope we need to give them. That death is not the final. It feels like the final and I know that it does. But Jesus has already been to death and back. He's been to death and he's alive. Sin had been dealt with, that's what caused him to die. Death had been dealt with. He died, and the devil had been dealt with. It was the very plan of the devil. First John three eight, which we already read, he came to destroy the works of the devil, and it is finished. Is a reminder that he did destroy the works of the devil, and I assure you that Satan has been defeated. Let me remind you also of Genesis chapter three, verse 15. After God puts the curse on Adam, puts the curse on Eve, and puts the curse on serpent, on the serpent in Genesis three, he tells the serpent that the offspring of Eve will crush the serpent's head, right? You remember that? He was going to be defeated, and he has been defeated, and he will not win. 1 John chapter four, verse four reminds us that for as strong and powerful the devil is and how much he is doing in the world, that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. I hope that you remember that verse. But I want to end today by showing you two passages in the book of Revelation. Turn with me first to Revelation 12. And then we're also gonna look at Revelation 20. Revelation 12 in Revelation 20. Now I know that you all are so intrigued by the book of Revelation and I I think me and the other pastors we want to do a Sunday morning series on the book of Revelation. I think you all would love that and would soak that up. So we are looking forward to that and thinking of that and planning in that direction. But we're going to be in Job for a while and so Right now, I want to show you all that we've been talking about here this morning in the book of Revelation. Revelation 12, verse 7. Now, war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. We may have a few questions in the book of Revelation about dragons and imagery and all of that, but it is clear right there that the devil, the deceiver, the accuser has been defeated and there is victory and conquering over him through the blood of Jesus Christ. But turn to chapter 20 now as we get near the very, very end. Chapter 20, verse 11, begins the big judgment. Chapter 21 and 22 are truly the end, the closing. Chapter 20 is like the last where we still have uh, this tension, although it's coming to an end. Let's start reading in verse seven. Chapter 20, verse seven. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Amen. When you read the book of Job, you find yourself going, oh my goodness, This is awful. Satan is so evil and he's trying to ruin Job. He's trying to ruin God's work and God's salvation and God's people and all the goodness that God has in this fallen world. Satan is bad. But as you keep reading the Bible, you see that God has Satan under wraps, on chains, it says literally a couple times. And God is not worried about him because God knows the assurance of salvation for all who trust in Christ. If you are here today and on any level you have felt the hardship of life, yes, you can say the devil is trying to get at me. Now, we can also say that God is working in His providence through those things. But yes, you can say the devil is trying to get you like a lion seeking somebody. But may you not think only that life is about warning and caution, may you also believe that God is greater that God sent his son Jesus to be the final deciding factor and answer to all of the devil's workings. If anyone is in Christ, they are safe. The blood of Jesus has washed away their sins. You are in the grip of God and nothing can take you out of the grip of God. May you believe that. May you have assurance at that. When it comes time for your life to go through hardship and suffering, because the Bible says we all will. Remember, Jesus's very words say, in this world, you will have trouble. You know that, right? In this world, you will have trouble. And trouble can come in a thousand different ways. And sometimes it feels like we can't catch a break. And I got all thousand ways coming at me at the same day. And there is the snowball effect, right? And like mom says, bad things come in threes at times. But you also need to know that when Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble, he also said, But take heart. I have overcome the world. When we feel Satan hurting us, may you believe in Jesus. But let me warn you, like warnings are supposed to, if you try to take that curve or run through that stop sign, Without heeding to the message of the sign, the curve or the ongoing traffic is probably gonna get you, right? And if you wanna leave out of here today with an opponent, adversary, accuser, deceiver, licking his chops, eyes on you potentially, without the lordship, of Jesus Christ who died for you and reigns for you, the devil very well may get you. Believe, believe, believe. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this study today in Job. God, it will help us understand the rest of what's going on in in the book of Job because we now understand Satan and who he is up against God and who he is. And Father, while in many ways this this does look like a, a, a fight or a battle or rivals, it's not an even match. You're greater. Father, I pray that you would strengthen our faith and cause us to believe. Father, work that in our hearts. May we be informed, may we be warned, and may we have the assurance of Jesus.